to episode 132 of the Various and Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the vault studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is currently on his second vacation, John Scott Sloat. I think when this drops, I will be returning. On your way back. On your yeah, way back. I think I'll be traveling. Yeah. In flight, perhaps, even. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, so we actually just finished recording episode 130. Yeah, yeah. With the, it feels weird because we yeah. just did 130 like 20 minutes ago yeah. in, in our universe. Right. However, we did 131 like three, three weeks, weeks ago. ago. Probably a month ago by the time this drops, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. At least a month. And then this will drop the day as I'm getting back from vacation. Yeah. So it's like – is this like the Marvel multiverse where there's multiple timelines and oh, different versions of ourselves depending on which multiverse we're in? Yeah. We can't use the word Marvel though. Um, so maybe maybe like <laughs> the sundryverse. <laughs> the sundryverse. Yes. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very confused. But this, this is – these are the lengths that we will go to provide this free entertainment just for wait, you, the listener. Just wait till I start traveling more regularly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. I'm going to start packing a microphone and yep. we're going to do this over Zoom. You know, that's – well, actually, not Zoom anymore. I think we'll I think we'll go. A we're moving route. to Zen, Zencast. Zen, Zencaster, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, but I don't think Zencaster is going to replace the verb Zoom, right? Well, no, not not within common parlance. No, okay. Because I mentioned somebody today. Hey, you want to Zoom later this week? You know, as I'm on Facebook, and people are like, "I thought we were friends already." You know, they're very upset. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, "Actually, here's what here's the backstory that you don't know." Yeah. Like, oh well, let's Zoom later this week and chat yeah. and catch up. And so you are back now on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, define on Facebook. I have a profile. I am currently adding friends. I am responding to messages. So maybe that's on Facebook. I, I think by definition, that's. On Facebook. Yeah. I have not downloaded the app to my phone. Okay. And I won't. <laughs> because? I just don't want it on my phone. Okay. I'm, I'm fearful they're listening to me in some form or fashion. Oh, they are. I know. That's why I don't have their <laughs> app on my phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so if let's do the, the the standards here. If you want to contact the show, we are on Twitter at VNS Pod. You can email the show various and sundry podcast at gmail.com. We are on Facebook, we are on YouTube. And speaking of YouTube, we would encourage you to go and check out our interview with Randy Newman from last week. Oh, is we that, have a is video. that live and up at this point? Yes. Interesting. Yes, this is the episode after. Right. So it is the video is up and available on YouTube for you to watch, um, if that uh, if that would um, be to your liking. So, um, yeah, th this is a weird dynamic to record, like essentially three weeks in advance of when this episode actually airs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah, it pretty much uh, precludes doing anything topical or, or sort of. Relevant in terms of sports because mm -hmm. you 
who knows what's going on at that point. Um, but uh, I thought for our sports segment, we could talk a little bit about uh, kind of our hopes for the fall football season. Yeah. So those of you who might be new to the podcast, uh, once the fall hits, the sports we're pretty heavy, heavy will be football. heavy on football. Uh, John is a fan of the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and John, why are you a fan of the New York Jets so since I, we live here in Indiana? Yeah, I'm from Long Island originally. Okay. My dad remembers Joe Willie Namath winning the Super Bowl in 69. And yeah, so uh, being from there, I think, helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's not because the Jets have been this like historically great team that you're a bandwagon fan. fan no, you know? I, <laughs> If if that's the case, I'm on the worst bandwagon ever, or one of the worst bandwagons ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a struggle for sure. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about what are you hoping for for the Jets this season? Last year they went four and thirteen. Yeah, I think four and thirteen. Yeah, the new math, right? This yeah. this was also oh, something goodness. you struggled with last year since it's a seventeen any t- game regular season. Let me tell you, any time <laughs> ever since then, any time there is math on the pod. That I mention or try to do at least one listener reaches out. At least, out. yes. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I'm hoping for uh, – so I think if we go 3 and 15 or 4 and – Can't go 3 and 15. Th- yeah, 3 and 14, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> It'd um, have to be 3 and 14. 3 and 14 or or, f- or, or 2 and 15. Sure. 4 and uh, four and 13 again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's. I think they're cleaning house. I think the GM is gone. I think the the coaches are all gone. I I think, I think they have to be around five hundred, and be in. But you can't be. You can't be five hundred. That's why I said around. <laughs> um, and you know, at the end of the season, be in. You know, when they throw up like the playoff picture at the end of the season, they have in the hunt. I think they have to be one of those teams at the end of the season. Okay. I think they have to be. In the hunt. All right. Um, and that's going to be uh, – Zach Wilson's going to have to take a step forward for that to happen. I do think they've picked up some excellent offseason uh, uh, free agents to help them uh, make things happen. Like I, they picked up another guard. They picked up a safety. They picked up a corner. Plus they got Sauce Gardner in the, in the draft as well as Garrett Wilson to yep. give Zach Wilson an option. Uh, they got Braxton Berrios in the slot. They got Corey Davis on the outside. So they they got Brees Hall from Iowa State okay, as a second option running back, kind of a home run hitter guy. Uh, everything is pointing to that they are going to be an improved team this okay. year. So uh, in my wildest dreams, I'm thinking like, Nine, ten games they'll win, but I think in my more realistic, sober moments, it's probably closer to five hundred, if not just under five hundred. Okay. And I think everybody keeps their jobs if they're five hundred, because that's moving in the right direction at that point. Okay, that's probably right. Yeah. So. And how confident are you that Zach Wilson is the answer at quarterback? So he had a good end of the season. Mm-hmm. He's looked he's looked good at moments in training camp. Or, or in uh, off-season workouts, or OTAs, whatever, whatever you want to call them. He's looked pretty good. So I, I think with the end of last season, taking a step forward this year, he doesn't have to be perfect. He doesn't have to be Brett Favre or anything. But 
He, he it's just, interesting you chose Brett Favre as the uh, – He's kind of got a similar – Okay. Similar style. Yeah, kind of just chuck it deep when all else fails sort of okay. sort of moment guy to him. So, um, yeah, I think Brett Favre is a pretty good, a pretty good comp. Okay. But – yeah, so I think I think that's where I'm at with the Jets. What do you think of that? Am I am I being reasonable? Well, they've got a tough division. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bills are going to be terrific again. The Bills will be very good. Um, sadly, the Patriots will be mediocre. Media, media plus mediocre plus. I think they're probably a ten and seven kind of team. You think so? Yeah. It's Belichick. Yeah. I, I'm not convinced that Mac Jones is a great quarterback, but Belichick is a master of figuring out how to win even despite not having great skill position players. He just is. Mm-hmm. So, And then and the my, Dolphins added uh, Tyreek Hill. That's all they added though. I'm not, I'm not sure they added many others. They're kind of a wild card to me. I don't I, – not in the wild card spot, but just yeah. sort of like they could be 10 and 6. Ten like, and seven. Ten and seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, adding in that extra game has really thrown me I off. I know. I um, can tell. Uh, oh, goodness. Danny's going to have a field day with this. Um, <laughs> so so is Nate in Ohio. So is Nate, yeah, <laughs> who is a math teacher. Yes, um, yes. But, uh, yeah, or, or they, could, they could go down in flames. Um, okay. So. We shall see. Because they have a new coach, don't they? Or was that last offseason they fired their coach? I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, and so the other team that gets a lot of discussion, football team, the is, Ohio State Buckeyes. is the Ohio yeah. State University. Did you see they they trademarked, they trademarked the, word the, the word, well, the, the yeah. Instead of the. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm an Ohio State fan, obviously, but that just feels a little pretentious. I, I'm I, I can I can get on board with saying that's pretentious. You saying it's a little pretentious <laughs> mean, might mean it's a lot of pretentious. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, offensively, they should be uh, arguably the best offense in the country next year or this upcoming season. Uh, C.J. Stroud is back. Okay. He uh, was a Heisman finalist. Um, so. You know he's gonna he's gonna put up huge numbers, uh, despite the fact that they lost two first round wide receivers. They've got a guy who, by admission of both of those first round wide receivers, is better than them, Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, as well as five stars just everywhere in that wide receiver. So room. they'll so be fun to watch. They will be amazing to watch throwing the football. They also hired a new offensive line coach because they weren't satisfied with their ability to run the football. So there should be some improvement there. Okay. Hired a new defensive coordinator because last year our defense was terrible. It was. It was bad. I watched a couple mm-hmm. of Ohio State games. It was not it was it, not pretty on the defensive It's what end. kept us from making the playoffs. Yeah. So even a modest improvement. Here's my thought. Our offense is so good that even if we have a modest defense, we don't have to have a great defense. A reasonable defense is going to be enough to get us into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And if we have a good defense, that makes us a national title contender. So, Do you think he could get by with a bend, don't break? 
I think they have like to be a, like a little a cover, better. Like little, an old cover two? They have, they have to be a little better than that. Hmm. Okay. So, But they brought in a defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State who had a top five defense in the country. Um, and so – Big 12 nonetheless, yeah. I'm, I'm optimistic that uh, they'll make some necessary changes and and they continue to recruit at just a ridiculous level. This summer they've gotten – they they had they had a stretch where in three consecutive days they got verbal commitments from two five star wide receivers and a four star wide receiver. Hmm. Just I mean, it it it's becoming the place that if you're an elite wide receiver coming out of high school, I'm not sure why you'd want to go anywhere else. Where is Urban Meyer at these days? Well, I think he has some sort of consulting role within the larger athletic department. Oh, at Ohio, Ohio State? State? I really? Think, I think. Because he was with Jacksonville for, right? a se- for not a season. For... I think he'll end up back in TV. OK. Is my guess. You don't think USC? I thought USC was knocking at the door. No, USC hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, that's right. Oh, goodness. The carousel. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think – I don't know. I just think – it might be difficult. It'd be difficult to hire him at a high-profile program. So he needs to go the way of uh, Rick Pitino or something. Yeah, and I just don't. I don't see him doing that. Yeah, I mean, TV's a good gig. So he took a shot at the NFL. It failed spectacularly. Oh yeah. And so next level failure. Yeah. Like there might be a documentary about that failure eventually. <laughs> sure. yeah. yeah. At some point. So I, I think. Um, I also think Ohio State is highly motivated after losing to the team up north for the first time in like 10 years. Mm. So I think that's put a little extra fire in the, sure. uh, in the program here. So I, I expect them to have a, a, a very good year. But um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to watch. Um, I don't enjoy the stress level that it causes me because I care too much. Uh, but – I enjoy watching them perform well. Yeah. I think I've only ever watched one Ohio State game with you, ever. Which one was that? Uh, that was the national championship, uh, the first undefe- undisputed national championship game. You were there for that? Yep. Yep, sure was. Okay. Along with Nate in Ohio? Yeah, Nate was there. Your boys were there. Yeah. That was a fun game to watch. All right. Ready to move on? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So our topic for today, and I think this was your suggestion if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, I think this is coming – I think I came up with this off the heels of Together for the Gospel. Okay. So today we're talking about the importance of ecclesiology. And before you uh, sort of roll the eyes over at the uh, $5 theology word – it simply means um, the study of, of the church, like how the church mm-hmm. should function, how it should be governed, how it, how it works, all that sort of stuff. So ecclesiology is just the fancy theology word for that. Yeah, and uh, scripture gives us some aspects of how churches should be organized, how churches should be run, but doesn't give us like a lot of detail. Yeah. Uh, and so we lean a lot on history, a lot on uh, tradition in order to to fill in some of those gaps. Yeah. And it's – I mean it's interesting because 
when you look at what the New Testament actually says, uh, it's it's not as clear as you might anticipate it being. Mm-hmm. Just if you don't know much about it and you think, oh, well, surely the, the Bible probably has some some parameters and it does have some parameters. But uh, it's not as specific as you might expect. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, some of that starts with the fact that you have uh, different terminology that's not always clear how do the terms relate to one another. So for example, you have elder and bishop mm-hmm. and overseer. Well, depending on what sort of church tradition you kind of fall under, those could be all distinct things. Yeah. Or they could just be three different terms for one thing. It all depends on on how you kind of put that together. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think a good place to start is to think about what are some of those kind of basic things that the New Testament does affirm about how the church should function. So, John, where would you start with in terms of just some of the pieces that the New Testament gives us that say, well, this is what should be true of the, of the how the church functions and, and runs. So I, I think of two offices that, that come up regularly throughout at least Paul's writings. Um, they seem to be elder, mm-hmm. seems to come up pretty regularly and Paul has, you know, character qualifications for that role as well yeah. as a bit of, bit of a job description. And then deacon as well seems to be another one uh, that comes out uh, pretty yeah. regularly. Yeah. And in fact, um, even in the book of Acts – you see after Paul does his – what we call his first missionary journey. That's a little misleading. It's not like that's the first time he went on a missionary journey. Sure. But, you know, let's roll with it. Uh, as he plants these churches in um, in Galatia, after he goes through, he comes back and he appoints elders in each of those congregations. And the obvious intention is that they exercise some measure of – authority mm-hmm. within that particular uh, church. So um, at, at some basic level, that that's sort of the non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is interesting that it seems like there were multiple elders yeah. in these congregations. So um, – Paul you know, sort of implies that when he's writing to Timothy and yep. Titus, that, that, that yep. there should be multiple uh, right. men in these churches. Yes. Yep, and and there's another aspect that is more debated today than obviously it was a hundred years ago, two hundred sure. years ago. But um, you and I both believe that the office of elder is restricted to men, according mm-hmm. to the New Testament. So uh, there are obviously church traditions that disagree with that. So. Um, and you're right to point out that there are there are texts in both First Timothy and also in Titus mm-hmm. that give pretty specific qualifications for pastors slash elders. Now, again, I'm sort of importing a term there uh, in terms of equating those two. Some would distinguish them. Um, so those are some of the parameters, I think. One other parameter I'll add is what Paul says in uh, in Galatians one. When he talks about the final authority in the church is the is the gospel message itself hmm. and not any individual human leader. I mean Paul basically says if, if I or uh, an angel from heaven 
preaches a different gospel than what we delivered to you previously, essentially let him be eternally damned. Mm-hmm. And then he says it again. Yeah. Right? He, he, so he, he doubles down. he even puts himself under that. So even as an apostle, he's not like, well, I'm the final authority as an apostle just because I'm an apostle. Mm-hmm. So the authority doesn't ultimately rest in the office. It rests in the gospel message itself, which we access through the apostolic witness of the New Testament. So, Doc, let me ask you this. Um, what, why on earth is it important to have elders of a certain character, deacons of a certain character, you know, you know these, these offices? Why, why can't we be more culturally driven but having the same message and, and just sort of do whatever fits our context best? You know, you know sort, of, sort of a whatever works um, mm-hmm. kind of situation. Yeah, well, um, I think ultimately it comes down to the New Testament gives us more specific guidelines than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we prefaced it by saying the New Testament is not as specific as you might anticipate it would be. But I say I, on the flip side, I'd say it's more specific than some people give it credit for yeah. in terms of the expectations of what uh, – what qualifies for leadership, um, how it should be exercised with gentleness, with humility, with patience and all those sorts of things, um, as well as the accountability that's built into that. Yeah. That yeah. there are structures put in place for the accountability of elders, that they're not just to kind of be able to do their own thing without any measure of accountability. And it's for the flourishing of the church at the end of the day, right? Yeah, right. It's for the for flourishing sure. of, of God's church and, yeah. and to remind the elders that, yes, you you are in charge, but you are in, sen- in a sense a steward right. of, of God's church here. Yeah. And and, and here's – in case this, this conversation sounds a little too kind of theoretical, um, let me try to bring it into a more practical uh, – a more explicitly practical level. I'll frame it as a question. Should we refer to or think about a, a lead pastor, let's put it that way, as a CEO? Should we use that analogy? Should we essentially say, well, the, the pastor is the CEO of the church? Mm-hmm. Um, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Is that helpful? Is it not helpful? What do you think? My, I'm asking you. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's a good thing. Um, well, CEO is a specific title in our culture. It means certain things. Normally, it means that I am in charge of a company that is going that the the goal of the company is to turn a profit mm-hmm. and to grow. Um, that is not the goal of God's church. <laughs> like there's certainly an, there's certainly like a way you could twist, right? Mm-hmm. Right to go out to preach the gospel to make converts, you know, as as a way to grow, quote yeah. unquote. Um, but that's very different. Um, like uh, in Scripture, from I believe First Corinthians, we see that God ultimately is the one that gives growth, mm-hmm. uh, not uh, our strategies or our strategic plans or anything like that. Yeah. Um, that is not what's giving the growth, and, and that's what I usually think of a CEO mm-hmm. doing, and not uh, what a pastor who who is meant to be in the the care of souls yeah. sort of business, causing his people to flourish spiritually. That's good. Um, I I agree that that any any metaphor you use 
brings with it a set of associations and connotations that you want to be incredibly careful about, mm-hmm. which is why I agree that I don't think CEO is a is a good or helpful kind of metaphor for what the pastor should do or be. Uh, part of why I ask this, uh, I want to bring this up, is I, I remember reading a book a while ago uh, that was talking about the um, about the shepherd motif in scripture and how pastors are referred to as shepherds mm-hmm. um, and unpacking it and did a, doing a wonderful job of unpacking its meaning in biblical times and even just the nuances. And then this author got to the final chapter and basically is like, yeah, but today people really don't know what shepherds are or what they do. So we should be looking for other metaphors that would be more relevant to them in their cultural context. That's funny because when you said CEO, I said, I think the only – I was thinking to myself, the only <laughs> the only metaphor I'm comfortable with is really shepherd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you hear like maybe coach. That's another one that's yeah. popular or even you know a me- mentor, which it's not to say that even metaphors like that – don't say helpful things. Mm-hmm. They do. And you can say, well, yeah, if you understand coaching in a certain way like this, then yeah, that's that's what a pastor should do. You know, if you think of a coach as someone who needs to know his players in order to get the most out of them and help train them and develop them and mm-hmm. help them grow in their abilities. Well, yeah, there's obvious um, carryover into the spiritual realm. But I just think on this front, it's wiser to stay with the biblical metaphor of shepherd Mm -hmm. in light of all that that communicates in terms of guidance, direction, feeding, caring for, um, even, you know, helping to bind up wounds. Like when you understand what protection, protection, all those sorts of things, like, there's a reason that the Bible uses that metaphor, that we shouldn't be quick to just <clears throat> abandon it. It's like, oh, well, people living in urban areas don't understand what shepherds do. Then explain it. Read a book. Yeah. <laughs> explain it. So, um, OK. So something else I wanted to bring up here in the uh, sort of ecclesiology discussion is kind of maybe helping our listeners understand the difference between – um, a more Presbyterian model of church government and a more Baptist or congregational kind of model. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I can articulate the Presbyterian <laughs> one super well. Um, so why don't you take a whack at that one and, and I can help us a little bit more with the Baptist. Even within Baptist circles, there's mm-hmm. a variety of oh, ways sure. to do it. but. I mean, again, we're talking big picture. Local local mileage may vary. Yeah. But, um, you know, a, a more Presbyterian model is elders have authority in the local church and those elders are subject to a, a presbytery, a council of elders within their region mm-hmm. that has oversight of those different churches and they are answerable to. They have to be ordained through those governing bodies. And so there's no mech- – there's – there's no congregational voting. There's no uh, anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I, I don't mean that as a – that's not inherently a a criticism. Sure. Um, 
That's just an observation. It's an observation. Yep. There's no voting in Presbyterian circles. Yeah. Congregational voting. No, congregational voting. That's correct. Um, they also tend to have a higher church order. More so Explain than, what you mean by that. So I, I mean uh, that when you walk into the service, you get a get a often a, a bulletin, and in there it has the order of service, and there is going to be some things that you are going to do in that service. You are going to have uh, uh, a prayer of confession, a song of thanksgiving. You know, you know these things throughout the the service. Yeah. So a more more structured, mm-hmm. more consistently structured, and more. Um, Again, I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to say this as neutrally as possible. A more um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, a more explicitly intentional, consistent structure to the mm-hmm. worship service. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Yeah, oftentimes including written out prayers that are read. Mm-hmm. Um, usually in those contexts, more. Uh, more than one scripture reading, maybe mm-hmm. you're reading from the Old Testament and a reading from the New Testament, or reading from, you know, the, the Pentateuch, the Psalms, like multiple scripture readings. Oftentimes, uh, yeah. So a little more structure in that sense, mm-hmm. more explicit, intentional structure. Yeah. And Baptists ready to do some Baptists? <laughs> well, as a general rule. Less formal structure, though. A lot of low low church, maybe. Yeah, th- this is the distinction between high church and low church. Mm-hmm. High church tends to be a lot more explicit structure, um, more liturgical. In we print out here's the order of service, and we have corporate readings and corporate prayers and things like that. And in some contexts, that liturgy is dictated by higher levels of authority within that denomination. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a lectionary where every church in this denomination, this on this given Sunday, every this is one is supposed, to, is supposed to read mm-hmm. out of these texts and preach out of these texts. And then you have the Baptists. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think – Who the, tend to be very low church. Very low church. I think autonomy might be the best best word to describe them. Yeah, I think that's true. To, they're sort of oftentimes on their own. Yeah, so I mean even within – I mean even within the largest Protestant denomination in the world right now, the Southern Baptists. Yeah. Each individual church is still autonomous mm-hmm. in that the, the, the denomination cannot explicitly dictate you must do this. Mm-hmm. Now, what they can do is say – you're clearly out of step with who we are mm-hmm. and we will no longer allow you to be in our fellowship. fellowship. Yeah. But that's different than saying you must do this because you're a part of our denomination. Yeah, which is much more Presbyterian, high church. Yeah. Now, but I, I will – on a side note, even if you don't have a printed order of service, even if you don't have the corporate readings and the corporate prayers – Almost every church has a liturgy. Of some kind or another. Of some kind or another. Mm-hmm. A consistent pattern of, well, every Sunday we get together and even if it's not printed out in the bulletin, we start off with you know, the welcome, the announcements. We sing a couple of songs. 
We have a prayer. We pass the plate. We sing another couple songs. Then there's the sermon. Then there's a song. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and that's it. That's it. Yeah, that's, that, a, that's a liturgy. That's still a liturgy. This is a very low church liturgy. Exactly. Um, Baptists can kind of go either way on uh, congregational voting mm-hmm. or or on elder rule. That's true. Um, so uh, I think I've been a part of both churches, some, some that have some voting congregations. Others have elder-led congregations. Yeah, I know. Our church. I know. Our, our, church, <laughs> our church switched. It yeah. did. It, it switched teams. Yeah. It switched from being congregational to uh, elder-led. Yeah. The church had to vote to give up its vote. Yeah. Which was fascinating. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, that's one thing about the Baptists, the autonomy, the – they could go either way on low church or high church. Well, no, not low church or high church, but on they congregational to, or yeah. elder rule. They do tend to be more on the low church end of the day. There are some more structured sure. kind of more liturgical-ish mm-hmm. Baptist churches out there. Um but yeah, I think that – is there anything else you'd add to the Baptist end of things? Those are the things that I think of when I think of eschatology – or eschatology, gosh. Not um, eschatology. Ecc- <laughs> ecclesiology. Oh, my. That's a very different conversation. Oh, my. We're, ecclesiology. We're well, we're well over an hour into podcasting. Yeah, this is why we should yeah. not have hour and a half episodes. Um, yeah, I, I did want to um, to say in connection with ecclesiology – I do think it is especially important in today's context to make sure that you have very clearly thought out and stated church constitution, oh yeah, church bylaws, and a statement of faith. And and again, very few people get whipped up about these things. Mm-hmm. But, I certainly don't. I no, don't get whipped up. No, yeah. but. By the time they matter the most, it's too late to change them typically. Yeah. And so uh, especially in a context today where the um, the culture continues to press harder and harder against traditional Christian beliefs, it is essential for a church to have clearly stated <clears throat> statement of faith, constitution, bylaws – to protect themselves from unnecessary difficulties in the legal realm as well as internally. If you don't have clear yeah. bylaws, you can get into a mess if a situation comes up and it's not clear who has what authority to do what and to adjudicate what or to decide this or what mechanisms exist or those sorts of things. If you don't have those in place, it gets messy very quickly. Well, and that reminds me of the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. Uh, there was a lot of discussion about bylaws. I mean, there was a whole episode about their bylaws um, and some of those things and how it ultimately led to a lot of abuses in that yeah. church. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, – and I know our church has several times over the past decade revisited those to make sure that we're um, – especially in step with some of the having clear statements on our views on on sexuality and other things oh, yeah. that could get you into some serious trouble legally if you don't have your T's crossed and your I's dotted. Mm-hmm. Instead so, of your T's dotted and your I's crossed. You don't want to dot your yeah. you don't want to dot your T's and you definitely want to cross your I's. Yeah. 
Um, any any recommendations on resources there, Doc? Well, the the two that came to mind as I was thinking about this are really, really it's I find the materials that Nine Marks produces super helpful. Yeah, they care a lot about this from a Baptist perspective, they do. Yep. which is tends to be our perspective. Yep. So, um, I mean, the classic book Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. I think it's in his fourth edition, and then a follow up. And it keeps changing the Nine Marks. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And then How to Build a Healthy Church, which used to be called The Deliberate Church, sort of a follow-up on The Healthy Church. Uh, both of those by Mark Dever. The second one was also co-authored by Paul Alexander. We have a student interning with him this summer. We do. And then Nine Marks has started a series of books on um, just different topics. Like there's a book on deacons. There's a book on evangelism. There's a book on prayer. So kind of unpacking further in short – I mean, most of those books end up being like a hundred pages. Yeah, they're not very long. Membership, I think, is one. Yeah. Evangelism. Yeah, just yeah. just good, thoughtful discussion of those from a biblical perspective and how they flesh themselves out in the local church. Mm-hmm. So, um, anything else on that before we move on? I don't think so. No. All right. Well, let's move on to this day in sports history. Okay, so uh, this will drop on July twelfth, which is kind of funny to talk about. Yeah, um, since today is what. June 27th? Or yeah, I think, I think we're somewhere <laughs> somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, 1901, Cy Young wins his 300th game, uh, finishing with uh, – he finished his career with 511 wins. Yeah, 100 more than the next guy. Uh, that's impressive. Cy Young. That will never be broken. Yeah, no wonder uh, they made a – they named an award after him. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, 1921, Babe Ruth uh, set a record for 137 career home runs. Yeah, he went on to hit a few more. I'd say so. <laughs> uh, 1949, baseball owners uh, agreed to erect warning paths uh, before the fence. Yeah. The warning track. The warning track. Yeah. I didn't realize that came up in 49. Yep. Amazing what happens after World War II. Then, <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah. Yeah, anyway. I mean, hey, you create the nuclear bomb. You're thinking, well, what else can we do? Yeah. Warning tracks. Yeah. Uh, 1979, uh, Disco Demolition Night. Have you ever heard the story of this? Oh, I, yes. It's hysterical. It's fabulous. Uh, at Comiskey Park, fans go to destroy disco records and cause the White Sox to forfeit the second game of a devil header uh, to the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. Because of – I think of the chaos that ensued. Well, they started throwing them onto the field. Yeah, bad idea. Yeah, there's got to be a YouTube video out there of that. My other favorite one is uh, Nickel Beer Night in uh, Cleveland. Have you heard about this? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, so uh, there was a bench-clearing brawl in Texas uh, between the the Cleveland baseball team at the time, the Indians, yeah. and uh, the Texas Rangers. And they, they got a you know, fisty cuff sort of, sort of a deal. And uh, Cleveland was upset about some of the things that the Rangers players said to the press. So the Indians uh, hosted, I believe it was nickel or dime beer night. And uh, I think the game made it to about the third inning before fans were in the field fighting <laughs> Rangers players. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, what do you like here? Uh, there's one more on the back. Oh, there's one more on the back yeah. of the page. Oh, my bad. Uh, 2015, Wimbledon men's tennis. Uh Novak Djokovic. 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 Gosh, starts with a D. Uh, successfully defends his title for his third Wimbledon crown, beating Roger Federer. Yeah. So uh, I think Disco Demolition Night is, is uh, the pick. Probably. 
I mean, that's that's just epic and legendary in my mind. You good with that one? I'm good. Okay. One thing you liked. Okay. Uh, so I am just getting back from Florida when this <laughs> drops. Uh, and one of the things we love about being down in St. Augustine, Florida, is there is this shaved ice place called Mr. Morgan's. And my wife and I are eagerly anticipating going there. I said, let's go every day. She said, that's too much. I said, let's go to every other day. She agreed. <laughs> um, so we are very excited about Mr. Morgan's shaved Why is ice. every day too much? Uh, they're quite large shaved ice. I mean, obviously – this is a this is yeah, a, audio, a, a audio medium. medium. Yeah, but I mean, just like a good hunk of shaved ice with like ice cream in there. Also, it's okay. very good. I'll and send you, you some photos. And you can't split that. Do you split that? No, heck no. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. How about you, Doc? One I guess thing. the sharing portion of the premarital counseling didn't quite land all the way. All right. We share some things, you know, <laughs> but some things are sacred. Okay. Um, so I recently watched the 30 for 30 mm. called Shark. It's about Greg Norman. Have you seen this one? I have not. I mean, Greg Norman was, uh, was a big deal into your elementary years, probably. I remember, I remember late Greg Norman. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, um, fabulous golfer. But he came to be known for a couple of epic uh, collapses slash chokes at major yeah. uh, tournaments that partially defined his career. That's sad. And so they they interview him about that and they show a couple of the – like two of them he ends up losing on guys chipping in from like the bunker or like 40 feet away when – He's basically in position to two-putt and win, and they chip in to beat him. So uh, just interesting to hear him uh, talk about that and then hear fellow competitors like Nick Faldo was his big nemesis. Like they went back and forth, you know, mm. Aussie against the the Brit. Um, so that that's the era of golf before Tiger. Yeah. Because the, la the last time that, that Greg Norman kind of like had one of those choke moments was uh, – 1996. And Tiger's first? Tiger's first Masters was 97. Okay. okay. So, you know, that that's sort of like – that's when the – when in one sense the the modern – what I would call almost the modern era of golf started. Yeah, there is a switch there in 97, isn't there? Because he came out and won the Masters by like what? 10 strokes? Yeah, something, so, something, something wild absurd, like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, – yeah, it was, just, it was just very interesting, very well done and uh, – Interesting to see an athlete reflect on his shortcomings while at the same time um, he seems to be, at least if that if, – if the uh, – if what he said was accurate, seems to be at a reasonably good place about kind of dealing with that and, and living with that. So. Yeah. OK. All right. We have talked our hopes for our football teams this fall. We have talked about ecclesiology. Uh, we have talked about Disco Demolition Night. We have talked about shaved ice that John won't share with his wife. I'll get her her own. <laughs> and we have talked about a 30 for 30. So I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. So all that's left to say is until next time, 
the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. <laughs>